Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. I'm riding on my bike. I'm going round the block. No, I can't cross the road. I'm not allowed to do that. I'm so happy here, guys. I'm just riding on my bike. Good morning. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bosswell Users Group Radio for Monday, the 28th of September 2020. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people powered radio. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the previous hour of current affairs. My name's Chris and Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. We're a weekly program about cycling and related transport issues, predominantly active transport issues, coming to you from 3CR Community Radio, Melbourne, Australia. On today's show, I'm going to be um, speaking to Helen McDonald and Juliet Hall, and they were two pivotal figures behind getting the new Mary Creek Bridge open, and I should say built, over the Mary Creek between Northcote and Brunswick East. And if you've been in the area of late, if you've been roaming around the uh, Northcote Golf Course, you will see that new bridge. And uh, lots of interesting things to pick up in that interview of how they went about it. And there's some, probably some teachable moments in there for the rest of us who are trying to get infrastructure built. Other things that have happened, you might have remembered on previous show, uh, we were talking about the uh, council meeting that happened a fortnight ago at Yarra, the Elizabeth Street Lane trial and the Park Street Contraflow you know, being free to fly to keep going for the next 12 months. So what actually happened there is that the officers prepared a quarterly report on you know, how the trial's going and the rest of it. And this is where, you know, make your opinion known, put your feedback in. And there was a move that many people believe was to scrap these trials prior to the council going into caretaker mode. Really, uh, it's open to why. I can understand people having a difference of opinion, uh, a strong difference of opinion at that, but council, oh, I should say, yeah, there's some really strange push-pull energies going on to do with use of space, local amenity and the like. And needless to say that uh, you would know that uh, council elections are happening across Victoria and the rich, family-assorted mixture of uh, interest groups and ratepayers groups and uh, life's rich pageant. I'm trying to neutrally stay away from that. But um, keep in mind that Yarra Bicycle Users Group, that we've done candidate surveys since 2004. We did 2004, 2008. Not entirely sure what happened to 2012. And we did one again in 2016. So the next week or so, we'll be sending that out and ensuring that you've got the feedback in time for when you make your postal vote for Yarra. Uh, Another thing that you could be interested in is that bike shops will be reopening uh, as of this week, uh, it's probably worth checking with your local LBS or local bike store what is available to be done. And you would also have seen that we're on the gradual easing of uh, pandemic restrictions that we've had in Victoria for months. Uh, on the subject of 
uh, getting bridges made. You will remember on the Wormley Street thing, we have been working on that for quite a while as a coalition of different groups, including Yarrabug and Burundarabug. Now, it seems to have really hit us snags. I can remember two years ago, we had big announcements from uh, a local me- uh, member, uh, Richard Wynn. And at the time, this was pre the state election. So there was lots of people there, including Tim Smith and Catherine Maltzen and a whole bunch of, you know, uh, Burundara and Yarra Council people there. And we've had a lot of issues in the two years since. Uh, subsequently, earlier this year, some of you may have known that there was a heritage bid put in. Now, this is being heard this week or next week for the heritage hearing, and it really does impinge upon uh, the, the bridge landing and trying to get something in that area. A substandard cyclist mount switchback design at the southern end of the Walmer Street was forced upon Salter in response to the extent of a heritage nomination of the Walmer Street Bridge, which prevented Salter, i.e. they're the developers if you've been around that area, you know, building big things in apartments, uh, from building the ramp within the area approaching the bridge landing. The Burundara bug, as a member of the Warmler Street Coalition, wrote to the planning minister asking him to intervene in the heritage matter and received a response on Friday. While they still hopefully wait for the outcome of the heritage hearing, either the bridge gets heritage protection or not, the way for a new fit-for-purpose bridge, the minister's letter confirms discussions with Heritage Victoria in agreement upon regardless of the outcome of the hearing, the 2017 ramp design can be constructed and will not have the cyclist dismount switchback inflicted upon us. It's an absolute mess. And in subject to that, there's you may have known that a couple of years ago that Burundara Bug mainly, again, did a hard copy petition and they got over 3,000 signatures that went to the Legislative Council of Victoria. And the reason why I'm going to bring this up is in the interview I've done with Juliet and Helen, they got this bridge done within five to six years by working between two local councils. The problem is with Warmler is probably not Yarra or Burundara, it's the state government. As soon as you bring in that level of government, things get complicated. So what we've done as the Warmler Street Coalition is unfortunately because due to public distancing, or I should say physical distancing, we've started another petition and it's a change.org one and you're probably groaning going, oh, but that's not anything really. Yeah, well, it's what we could do at the time. If you want to go to change.org, look for It's Time to Replace Warmler Street Bridge. You can sign that. And also, if you feel free, please contact uh, the Planning Minister, Richard Wynne, and let them know that we want a new bridge. It's almost been 30 years some of this discussion's been going on. And in that time, the Mary Creek Bridge Group, which you're about to hear, uh, Juliet and Helen, last five years, they've got a brand spanking new bridge up there between Northcote and Brunswick. So why can't Kew and Absurd have the same, especially when there's phenomenal development and people using that bridge? It does not reflect the use now that uh, it's getting it's time to replace Warmler Street Bridge at change.org after the break I'm going to be talking to Helen and Juliet about the new Mary Creek Bridge you're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet www.3cr.org.au <laughs> My 
My name's Helen McDonald. I'm a Northcote resident. Juliet Hall, and I also live in Northcote, just around the corner from Helen. A background or an introduction why there was a community need for this bridge, and it's like between Northcote and East Brunswick, just where most people would know where Ceres is. Well, Chris, it's one of those things. Locals had talked about it for years. So it had been this thing that would just come up in conversation when you talk to another local. We really need a bridge there. Anyone who had crossed using the busy road bridges at Arthurton Road or at Moreland Road or Normanby Avenue, as it's known, had, had felt that the narrow footpaths didn't feel safe, they didn't feel right, and people had kind of had this little dream or this little rumour that wouldn't it be great if there was a footbridge like there are in other parts of the Mary Creek. But for a long time it was kind of one of these things that was just spoken about and really that while there had been campaigns in the past so more than 12 years ago some local residents had put together um, and got a petition organized the idea had been knocked up knocked back by Darabin council because it was too expensive so since then it's kind of was just something people would talk about and then Juliet Hall must have been talking to someone about it and she got involved and she really got us fired up one day Helen was unlucky enough to be walking um, in the school playground next to me and we were chatting about it and she said, oh, Juliet, that's something that I've thought about before and that was that was the, the final um, thing that I needed to tuck Helen into our campaign and she's been absolutely fantastic. It's been a little longer and uh, um, more work than we had anticipated um, but we're now going to be able to get our kids safely from our homes in Darabin to their locally zoned school in Moreland. And that was really the main driver for us to, to really get behind this campaign, as well as the fact that we really want to be able to cross the bridge and access all that beautiful green open space down near um, the Mary Creek and Ceres. Um, but our kids are going to be able to walk themselves to school, which is awesome. And what about, what about time? What what kind of year did you start this? Uh, you know, you said previously there was um, community discussion. So when did you two kind of informally start this campaign? I will give credit where credit's due. Juliet did um, in about uh, 2014 the city of Darabin were doing a survey about ideas for local infrastructure projects and Juliet very cleverly did up just some simple little flyers and um, and you'd stuck them up I think on fences around Juliet and I even though our kids went to the same school we hadn't met um, and and I think you might have done something on Facebook I'm not sure but somehow I came across this flyer and Juliet was saying hey locals um, wouldn't it be great if we had a bridge I think you should suggest a bridge on this local city of Darabin survey and that's what got me to get in touch with Juliet and go hey yeah that's a great idea lots of people have been talking about this and so that was the thing that got me started we were motivated by wanting a safe route to school for our kids that was the real driving force behind why we really got stuck in on this campaign so I got involved about 2015 Juliet I would say was kick-started it in 2014. Because it's interesting, you keep, and people have brought this up as well, that there's a bridge close by. We're talking about Atherton or um, there. And I can say as a local, um, I live around the area, I hate that bridge. <laughs> it's not pleasant. It's okay if you're in a car, but if you're in any other mode of transport, it's really ugly. 
and also it's a really important point Chris because what I guess one of the challenges with the campaign is we know that if there's not safe infrastructure so if people feel unsafe they simply won't walk or they won't ride a bike so part of the difficulty with this campaign was we were asking locals who had never necessarily walked that way or ridden their bike that way because they didn't feel safe we were asking them to envisage a different path a different way of walking and some of and once people thought about the idea they loved it they really just thought that's what we need that's the solution but because so many people were deterred from walking it wasn't a it wasn't a um, a high traffic area from a perspective of bike riders people tended to avoid that Arthurden road bridge because they felt unsafe there and it's also similar if you're if you're on that route you also get the intersection at St George's which is also unpleasant because you've got yeah, you've got a lot of uh, public transport there as well with the trams and the buses, which aren't a problem, but for people who are hesitant or riding for transport, it can really put you off. That point. So it's, it's quite a dangerous um, place to be on a bike. I think most people end up up on the footpath with the pedestrians. Inadvertently, this new bridge has helped create uh, like an east-west route that's a little bit further north, but it gets you from, you know, parts east to parts west. You know, if you're going from... Um, Northcote to Brunswick and further. And so thanks, Chris. That was actually one of the main motivating factors for Moreland to get involved in the bridge campaign is for many, many years it's actually been on their bicycle strategy mm. to have that bridge as the east-west corridor. Mm-hmm. Um, it has actually it's been on Darabin's strategy as well in the past, and and um, there are some cycling maps that actually have the bridge being in there from 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how much they they sort of thought yeah, they would get behind it, and it would be a great idea. Um, so yeah, that's that's very much always been part of the plan is that the bridge would um, increase the safety of the east west corridors to cyclists. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. So the nuts and bolts of this, um, how did the process uh, kind of eventuate with both the councils? Did you make, um, you know, you meet with councillors, did you meet with council officers and they went to a further step of doing plans and budgeting? Yeah, so um, Trent McCarthy is the first person that I spoke to as he was one of the local um, councillors in the area Um, and he gave me a lot of guidance about what council needed to address the issue and um, the uh, main thing that we wanted to get started was the petition because essentially councils can't ignore a petition that's got lots of people on it. Um, and so we um, campaigned, there was a whole group of people that got involved in collecting signatures. Every single person that I talked to, with the exception of maybe one or two people who didn't think the bridge was a good idea, everybody else said, why is that bridge not already there? That bridge should already be there. And so people were so happy um, to sign a signature and, yep, yep, I'll definitely use that when it's there. So that was that was probably the main thing. And, and we started with Darabin because we live in Darabin um, and we could see the benefits for, for Darabin residents. Um, there were some Moreland residents who were involved as well because of the school being um, located in Moreland. Um, and Moreland Council has really um, 
they took on board their responsibility to keep their children safe. The fact that the children uh, were going to school in Moreland, they saw that as being part of their responsibility to keep the kids safe in addition to their cycling routes being a motivating factor for Moreland Council. Yeah, I should say, and look, Juliet did a lot of door knocking. She had a team of local people who really helped. We got hard copy signatures because we got some good advice that a hard copy petition um, allows councils to see what suburb people live in. So the thing with the online petitions is you can be living anywhere and sign it. So um, a lot of effort was put into actually door knocking, talking to locals, um, talking to them about the bridge. And as Juliet said, a whole she put together a whole team of people I did some door knocking, but there are people who um, literally knocked on hundreds of doors to talk about the bridge. And we got um, more than 1,400 people to sign that initial petition. And it was a game changer with councils and with council laws. They really, um, those that hadn't really taken notice, really sat up and took notice because 1,400 people signing a petition saying we want a bridge, that's really powerful. Yeah, it's interesting because... uh to just hark back to something I'm involved with is the Warmler Street Bridge. We had 3,000 hard copy, went to the Legislative Council, and I think because it's the interplay between state government and local government, we still haven't got a resolution. This is this is where local government is actually quite powerful because if you have you know that direct link in and it starts getting into their planning processes, their budgetary processes, I'm not saying state government is not useful, but, yeah, it's complicated. Yeah, in some ways that makes it more complicated. And so um, us dealing with two different councils, whilst that was that made it more complex it also meant they could share costs um and so that was also a really powerful motivator for them um darabin it's fair to say came on board with the bridge first and really did take a leadership role um they organized the original feasibility study so that definitely helped that we had one council that were really committed to it but the fact that they could share the costs of this bridge um that helped a lot too Now we get on to actual construction. When did you know that this was going to be a certainty? Oh, that's a good question. So in, in between the, the construction, Helen also did a wonderful survey of use of the bridge, which was, I think, really um, made an impact on the councillors because we, um, I'll, I'll let Helen tell you about the survey. Okay, well, so we did a, we did a community survey And the benefit of that was that it really helped us understand. When we initially started this campaign, Julianne and I were both motivated by the fact that we had school kids who needed a safer route to get to school actively, either uh, on foot or by bike. When we did the community survey, we had to do it in a hurry. It was only in the field for about two weeks, but we got almost 600 responses. And what became clear to us when we analysed that survey was that anyone who used the Arthurton Road Bridge felt unsafe, adults, all sorts of people riding bikes. And so we thought it was just parents of kids and that made us realise it was a much broader issue and also that if we built a bridge, people had strong intentions of using their car a lot less often. So they would start using bike or um, travel on foot to do those short trips, whether it's kids' birthday parties or going to series. People really saw a future that meant they would use their cars less often. And so that was really, they were really powerful powerful um, messages to be giving to the councillors and that's when they also really got on board with it. 
when did we know? Okay, we still, you know what? We still haven't had a chance to really, really celebrate because we we knew in stages we were getting the bridge. For example, Darabin City Council were the first ones, the first council to say, yep, we'll fund our half share of the bridge. And then it took a little while longer for Moreland to be able to commit their half of the funds. So it took a while till we knew. We knew about a year ago that construction was going to start. But of course, you know, with any complicated construction project, there's delays. So feels like it's taken a while, but in some ways, we're just so happy to have the bridge. I think Juliana, Juliet and I would have kept pushing, wouldn't we? Even if it took a bit longer, we would have kept going. We were pretty determined. We knew we were backed by the local community. We knew people really wanted this. And we knew that you know, we need to be looking at a future that's not so dependent on cars for short trips. So we would have kept going. And I think the councillors knew that. And we also had the argument that the bridge, um, even though it was quite a commitment of money, $3 million in the end, it was never going to get any cheaper. So if they kept putting it off, it was never going to get any cheaper. Yeah, because that's one of the first things that drew me to um when I, when I first heard about the, this thing for the new bridge, was the journeys that parents had to do to get their kids to school. It's for sure it's a loop, very long loop to get, you know, to from A to B, which as the crow flies is quite short, but by yeah. car. But now there is multiple options. Yeah, and with, with little kids, especially like now that my kids are a little bit older, it's less tar- terrifying to go across that bridge. Um, but with little kids, it really um, was just an awful way to travel. I still did it because I'm committed to active transport. Mm. It really was not an enjoyable experience at all. I think 3CR is the voice of the people speaking back to the establishment and telling them what they think and sometimes it's something they don't want to hear. When did you first walk across the bridge when it was finished? What, you know, how did you feel? I, actually... I felt elated. <laughs> go on, sorry, we're talking at the same time. You go. <laughs> I felt elated walking across the bridge. It, it's fair to say the bridge is a lot bigger than Juliet and I ever envisaged. When we started this campaign, we thought we were lobbying for um, a small wooden bridge like s- some of the other bridges across the Merry Creek, but councils don't build those bridges anymore. They're up, the upkeep's upkeep is too costly for them and they also get washed away in floods so the bridge is a lot bigger than we first thought it would be but it is amazing and um, the feeling of seeing so many happy people particularly in lockdown walking across that bridge it was just it, it was magical it was beautiful we knew if we built it people would come and they really have it's incredible yeah because yeah. we wouldn't had a look at it on uh, Saturday because yeah, because the golf course is open, which is an amazing expanse, especially after months of lockdown. And some of those smaller bridges you're just describing, they're in there. The, the little bridges that go over things like Bracken Creek, which is a tributary of Mary Creek. One thing I find astonishing about the bridge, it's big, but it folds into the landscape. 
it's really fascinating the dimensions and the you know kind of looking at the spatial awareness of it and going this is really well done <laughs> yeah it it's been very well designed and they managed to keep really really a lot of trees given the size of the construction um i think they've just done a brilliant job with it we're really happy and the other thing is it's made for our social distancing times if we had have got a tiny little wooden bridge people would have had to queue up to get across it now in these times of social distancing it's a three meter wide bridge so there's plenty of space for people uh do you know for how what's going to happen on the Northcote side is going to be like the access to that's going to be a bit more formalized because at the moment it's still a little bit of a construction site there's a development, um, a residential development that's almost finished on the Northcote side of the bridge. We're conscious that um, the approaches on both sides of the bridge, there's um, there's little areas that need a bit of work. I think there'll be more signage going up shortly, certainly on the Darabin side, directing you to the bridge. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because people are coming in from the golf course, which may not be open to the public after this weekend. So there'll be a formalised thing coming in from uh, which street on Northcote side? is beavers road so you approach the the bridge from beavers road in northcote yeah so beavers road and on the other side in east brunswick it is well you can approach it from the mary creek trail so if you're on the mary creek trail or at series near series that's the best way to get up you'll you can't miss the bridge once you're once you're near series Leave series is planning um, to open a new entrance right next to the bridge so that you can go directly from northcote across the bridge into series and for people traveling from brunswick which cross street would you come into to go to the bridge so it's kingfisher gardens but king's kingfisher gardens is not a really uh great street for for people to come yeah, down but okay. I think, uh, we're, we're not quite sure what the plan is with the bike routes whether the bike route will go um down stewart street and then into kingfisher gardens but um so that's yet to to be um fully developed it's fair to say there's more work to do, I think, as I said, um, in making sure there's a really clear bike route and a safe bike route to approach the bridge. Obviously, linking up with the Merry Trail is the safest and the best, yep. but um, I think both councils have got a little bit of work to do in terms of making that network and that east-west route clearer and really identifying where, where they would prefer bikes to be going. Yeah, because I can think at least four or five major intersections that that'll help bypass we have to see what other types of connections happen between the communities of East Brunswick and Northcote Thornbury yeah. um, because we really have been separated by traffic as and the creek and so it'll be really nice to see if we can actually as communities um, make different connections and be involved with each other more. Look, we knew that this would really bring people together. Um, that was that was a harder thing to inspire people about. Like we knew that if we built it, people would come to this bridge. And, but now it's happened. People can see it. So I really hope it inspires other people to improve their local area, to dream big and go, hey, if we had a bridge here or if we had a safer path, more people will w- walk and more people will ride. I hope other people get inspired to go, you know what, we can take this on we can change where we live for the better and make it a safer place for us to walk and ride around how can people get in touch with you or is the campaign over do you just wish to the bridge to speak for itself or 
people look at the Facebook. We kind of, we kind of, we kind of do want the bridge to speak for itself in some ways. We do still have a Facebook page. It's the Mary Creek Bridge Group. Juliet and I are tired campaigners, <laughs> as yes. in we've got we both run our own businesses and have kids and very busy lives. Um, but we're happy to we're happy to share with people what we did throughout this you know five year campaign that we're involved. We're happy to share ideas. Yeah, so people, of course, they can get in touch with us via the Mary Creek Bridge Facebook page. Yeah, that that's lovely. I think Helena summarised everything perfectly. We're really keen for other people to um, see how much they can achieve for their communities. To enable change, we need to show broad community support. Show your support for walking and cycling in the city of Yarra by appearing as a champion on the Streets Alive website, representing your local street, neighbourhood or school. It's fast, free and simple. Learn more at streets-alive-yarra.org. A 3CR supporter. This week's Yarra Bicycle User Group radio program should be podcast soon on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast or go to yarrabug.org forward slash radio if you want to find additional details of what we discussed today. These podcasts are produced at Melbourne activist radio station 3CR. Presenters are all volunteers and 3CR's existence depends upon the financial support of our listeners. Go to 3cr.org.au Click on the support tab and select either donate, subscribe, shop or fundraisers. Your subscription or donation keeps 3CR on air. On my bicycle, on my bicycle, yeah. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.